This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining me here on Zoomer Radio. Tonight's first feature is taken from a series that began airing in July of 1947. Since the program didn't have a regular sponsor, it was subjected to frequent schedule shifts and lower production budgets. But despite these problems, Escape enthralled many listeners during its seven-year run. Tonight, be enthralled by listening to the episode Seven Hours to Freedom. You, finding life rather dull? Dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape with us now to a small fishing boat off the California coast and a night of terror and death at the hands of a brilliant madman as Bud A. Nelson tells it in his exciting story, Seven Hours to Freedom. The Pacific Ocean off the coast of Southern California usually thought of as calm and peaceful, where there's very little danger. But don't take the Pacific for granted, or you'll be writing your name in foam and throwing it into the wind. There can be trouble out there, all kinds of trouble. The winter months are the lean ones along the coast. Lou and I scrape the bottom of the barrel to make fuel and stores for my boat, the Merry Widow. Rigging for mackerel is fishing the hard way. You've seen the mackerel fleet sneak up on the coast. Those ghostly cities of lights offshore. Guys like Lou and myself trying to make a payload with lights and stinking chum. Mashed, marinated muck you toss overboard with your bare hands to attract the fish. We were anchored alone west of Point Doom Whistle Boy, about a mile out. It was dark except for the spot we flashed on the water and the flashing of headlights on Highway 101 where it dips down to the shore to get a run for Zuma grade. There were mackerel around, and they were ready. Come on, baby. Off you come. And a boy, Lou. Keep them coming. Right. I'll move the chum out into the light. Hiya, hiya. Come on, kids. Free chow. Good, juicy, showy face. Come and get it. Oh, boy. They're hot. Hey, Lou. They're swarming into the spot. They work the edges, Lou. Yeah. They're about ready for the net. Oh, look at them. Three or four pounders. Show me a spot, boy. Lay it right in front of me. They're ready for the net. 
Uh, currents offshore. Uh, drag toward me. Right. He's in, Tom. Oh, boy. They're hot and heavy. That net's alive. Now, fellow up. Train up. Green dynamite. Come on, kiddies. Come to top. Oh! Yeah, beauties. Good boy, Lou. He can come and swamp us. That's the way it works, if you hit it. You forget the smell, the scum, the numbness in your hands, the icy water in your boots. You forget you're heaving 30 to 50 pounds in the end of an eight-foot pole. And you see dollars pile up in the bin boards on your deck. You forget everything around you until... They're gone. And you notice that there is a world around you. Uh, here they go. School's out. Uh, two tons at least. Yeah. Ah, uh, looks like another wreck on Zuma Grade. Yeah. Look at the headlights. People just can't pass up an accident. Must be a pretty bad one. I'll take a boat any day. Hey, let's get out of here. We can make it back in time for chow. Yeah. Six fried eggs seasoned with Tabasco sauce, bowl of chili, and a pot of black coffee. It sounds good to me. Boy, that stuff sure gets cold. Hey. Hey, get the anchor. Let's get out of here. Fire up. I'm for it. <laughs> Okay, run up on it. Get in. Hold it. What's the matter? Anchor's bowed. Want to back down on it? Feels like rock. Uh, take a turn on the cleat. Let the swell break it loose. Hey, she's really caught fast. Uh, wait a minute, Lou. Give me some slack. I'll back off. I don't know. Come here. What's up? Look. Company. Yeah. What the devil are those guys doing out here in a little rowboat at this hour? They're either drunk or crazy. They're sport fishermen. But I don't see any tackle. Ahoy there! Wait! Please wait! Oh, they're in trouble. Look. Guy in the stern. Hunched over. You get the boat hook, Lou. I'll rig a fender. The tide's doing more good than the oars are. These boys aren't seamen. Ah. Watch the roll when he pulls you alongside. Hey, you in the bow, catch the rack. Hold yourself off. Hold it up, Jay. We have an injured man here. Lend a hand. Yeah, sure. Cal, get aboard. Ellis, help Stacy. Help him. Ed, wait. Give me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now, my injured friend. Uh, you and a skip. Yeah. Hand him to me. Yeah. Now, right here. Uh, lift him as high as you can. Yeah. Now, now, slip your hand out. Okay. Yeah, I got him. Now, Lou, yeah. open the hatch to the cabin. Right. Uh, move that gear off the bunk. Uh, 
unfortunate thing. Very unfortunate. Mm. Hand me the first aid kit. Now on the bulkhead behind you. Completely unnecessary. Efficient shooting, wouldn't you say? Perilously near the heart. Yeah. Fatally near. Here, put the kit back. It's too late. How'd this happen? Loaded gun. <laughs> yes. Loaded gun in expert hands. This may be pretty funny to you, mister, but I don't think it'll go over very big with the police. The police? No, I suppose not. Poor Stacy. His fourth and final loss. Look, mister, what's the story? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you came in at the end. Uh, but first... What... What's a gun for? Your protection. And mine. Forgive me, young man, for pointing this at you. I use it only to establish command. Outside. Go on. Pretty sick of your fancy yapping and no action. Yeah, mastermind, you got us into this. Now come up with a way out. My friends despise me, Captain. Look at them. Young Ellis. Shut up, Burke. I warned you. He's a coward, a thief, and a murderer who fancies himself equal to any known knife artist. You know I'll kill you, don't you, Burke? If it's the last thing I do, I'll cut that fat off of you. It will be the last thing you do, Ellis. And Dowd there. He killed two men, wasn't it, Dowd? Two defenseless men. Feed on, you greasy slob. You're digging your grave with your tongue. And Stacy, poor dead Stacy. Keep talking, Burke. Keep flapping your big mouth while the law sets up another trap. Why don't we get rid of these two punks and get moving? Yeah, give me that gun, Burke. You ain't got the guts to do nothing. You're all talk. Give me that gun. Stay right where you are, Ellis. You two, Dowd. I supplied the intelligence that saw us this far... And I really don't need you anymore. Sit down. Both of you sit down right by that tank. Yeah, yellow. Burke, paint dirty yellow. Make me sit down. Go on, Burke. Make me sit down. I don't want to have to fire this gun. Sound carries over water. Talk big, Burke, while you've got the gun. The only gun, Dowd. That highway is swarming with police cars now. They're saying dead or alive. The choice is up to you. Make one move toward me or these fishermen, and I make the choice. You make that choice. You chose to lead us into a trap because you didn't have the guts to shoot a measly highway cop. You got Stacy shot. You wrecked the car. Then you nearly drowned us in that leaky rowboat. You can thank me in that leaky rowboat that you're alive right now. I feel very kindly toward that rowboat. Pull it aboard. Go on, pull it aboard. You two may need it. One false move and you'll find yourselves adrift. Captain, get the anchor up. Take in what slack we can get, Lou. Blind parts and parts. set your course by this pistol, Captain. Our destination is Mexico. Look, Burke, I... Uh... A word of warning, Captain. 
I seem to stand low. These fools I took through prison walls have turned against me. But I still have a pistol. How far is the international border? Seven, eight hours. I prefer seven. Seven hours to freedom. My freedom. And seven hours for us to consider your fate. You can start out to count the laughs in the Red Skelton show, but you'll wind up laughing so hard yourself you lose the count. No question about it, Red Skelton is a very funny man with a very funny show. And this fall, you hear Red Skelton every Sunday evening on CBS. Rated to top comedian, Skelton has a special form of humor, a unique brand of madcap hilarity that leaves him gasping. You'll have a grand time. It's entertainment at its best. Be sure to listen to The Red Skelton Show every Sunday evening over most of these same CBS stations. And now, we return you to Escape. <laughs> Dawn broke with the Los Angeles Harbor Light well on our stern. Mary Widow's bow pointed at Mexican waters and the pistol in Burke's fat hand setting the course. The morning was foggy. Other things were clear. Someone along Zuma Beach would find their rowboat missing. We had a dead man in the cabin and the lives of Lou and I hung on the whim of a fat maniac. Our only hope was a radio. I switched the frequency to Coast Guard Trip the mic to transmit and hope that someone would be listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more pleasant up here on the bridge, Captain. The cabin is somewhat stuffy. What's your master plan for the body? Loathsome things, dead man. Much as I'd like to dispose of it, we can't risk cluttering our trail. Let us hope there will be no more. There needn't be, you know, if you cooperate. Yeah. And the Merry Widow's at your disposal, Mr. Burt. As long as you hold that gun on the crew, there's no choice but to take you to Mexico. We don't have too far to go. Uh, just about due west of Long Beach, making 18 knots. You are unduly nervous, Captain. Is it the pistol? <laughs> Look at our friends huddled together down there in the stern. <laughs> uh, planning my assassination, and no doubt yours. You understand the situation, don't you? No. Then I'll tell you. This gun and I are your buffers, your guardians against the plotters back there. In exchange for this protection, you give me transportation. In a few hours, I will be a free man, and I shall go my way alone. Maybe. Radio. The radio. I underestimated you, Captain. Very clever. Well, I tried. I assume I've been broadcasting for some time. You have. Direct the United States Coast Guard. I bow to you. How stupid of me. And you. Up to this point, you've shown some intelligence. 
These heroics give me no choice. All right, go ahead and shoot. You'll pile into rocks before you hit San Diego. You'll never see Mexico. Lose no pilot, none of you are. You're right. You are still useful. Resume your course. Look, Burke, you're supposed to be the brains of the outfit. If you're even half smart, you'll get in that skiff and head for shore. You better not be on this boat when the Coast Guard catches up with us. If you are a religious man, Captain, I would suggest that you pray they don't catch up with us. Look, mister, my advice to you is to launch that skiff and hit for the beach. You're a fool, Captain. Until your little stratagem shows tangible results, I wait. And you live. Resume your course. Newport Harbor bore off our bow, swung a beam, and slid past the stern. With it went my hopes of help from the Coast Guard out of Newport. No more stations now until San Diego. At the foot of San Clemente's red tile roofs, I saw a Santa Fe streamliner rushing north towards Los Angeles. I wished I was on it and headed in the same direction. How far are we from the border, Captain? Uh, five, six hours. Good. If the Coast Guard heard your radio, they don't seem to be rushing to your rescue. Ha! Take another look, Burke. Get ahead and bear him down. Hold your course. Don't try to attract them or you die right where you stand. You, low. Yeah. Stay where you are. Hold your course, Captain. Mister, that's a Coast Guard picket boat. They got guns. Ellis, down. Stand up and wave. Make it look friendly. Don't overdo it. You, Captain, wave too. Wave, wave. <laughs> Look at the fools. The friendly fools waving back. We're just friendly fishermen. They didn't even cut their speed. Two herringbone wakes met, merged playfully, overlapped, and faded. With them went my hopes of help from outside. Our only chance now is to get Burke's gun. The fish knives. But they were back on the cleaning chute, neatly racked. I turned to look. Gone. Three knives gone. My hand rested on the clutch lever, cast bronze, complete with grip and detachable. I had to get that gun. I tripped the key that locked the lever and... Come here! I want to talk to you. Got a deal. I've been expecting this. They're ready to cooperate. You, Lou, down the ladder. Just in case our good captain entertains any rash notions, you will be our hostage. Go ahead. Happy to oblige. Step right back to the little group. I watched helplessly while Lou led the way aft where two criminals sat, backs to the bait tank. They rose as Burke lurched toward them against every roll and pitch of the boat. Ellis suddenly stepped between Lou and Burke. The pistol roared harmlessly. Burke slumped balloon-like as Dowd tore the pistol from his hand. Ellis, knife in hand, kept slashing. Enough, Ellis! Lay off! No. Lay off, I said! Give me that knife! Give me that knife! Said I cut him the fat slob. He didn't believe me, eh? Look at him! Blubber! Blood and blubber! Come on, Lou! Up that ladder there to your buddy! Come on! Yes, sir. Sit down there and stay put. You buster, keep this thing moving. Which way? Like Burke said, Mexico. As long as we come this far, we go all the way. 
Move in. Drive in closer to shore. How close? I'll tell you how close. Hey, now, wait a minute. I'll pick out a spot to beach the skiff. Then we'll move back outside the three-mile limit until dark so that Mexican patrols can't find us. Ain't that nice. In the dark, I move in as close to shore as I can, and you go ashore in the skiff, and I head back up the coast. Just like that, Well, Buster, you better pick a good spot to make a landing, because you're going in with us. Going in with you? What about this boat? Leave it, the Mexican authorities... You're gonna drive this boat right up on the beach. That's what, right up on the beach. Wreck it? Look, Dowd, we draw close to ten feet of water. We'll ground a city block offshore. So what? I can swim. Got nothing to worry about. You ain't gonna need this tub no more. Look, look, Dowd. If we beach this boat, we mark the spot where you go ashore. But put in by skiff and you won't attract any attention. My radio shot. It's a it's two hours run back to San Diego. I can't holler anything that'll hurt you. It ain't two hours to Mexican cops. I can't go to Mexican cops. I haven't got a clearance. I'm not gonna put into a Mexican port and have my boat impounded, am I? I told you how it's gonna be. As soon as the Mexican authorities find this boat with bodies on board, they'll know you boys are over the border and how you got there. Hmm? Well, maybe you got something. Now, I'll talk it over with Ellis. Uh, don't try no. Lou. Yeah? I'm gonna fake engine trouble. The master switch. One of us has to get down with the engines. The short hose on the manifold cooling system. Port engine side, salt water intake. Yeah? It's our only chance. Disconnect it. Foul the bilge pump screen. Flood the bilges? Yeah. We risk fire, but it's our only chance to frighten them guys into the skip. Cut it. He's coming back. That's the way it's gonna be. How? Like I said first. Pile it on a beach. Now, let's go. Oh, okay. Hey, what's the matter? Are you okay up there, Doug? No, no. Just quit. You know, we've been beating these engines. She's hot. Get it going. I'll have to get at the engines down below. Oh, no, you don't. Step on the starter. Come on, try it. It's hot, I tell you. 180 degrees. Right, look for yourself. It's 40 degrees too hot. What does that mean? It means I got to... No, go. you don't. Who? You know what to do? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, check the oil filter first and the screen ahead of the pump. Uh, wait a minute, you. Okay. Try it again first. Go on. It's no use. The trouble's down the engine room. Go on, Lou. Hey, Alice. Yep. Get out in the hole with this guy. Keep an eye on him. salt water that should be flowing through the water jackets of two big exhaust pipes pouring into the bilges, and two red-hot manifolds absorbing all the heat of the two big engines. I took a sight on the hull. Chine line, two feet above water. 
bilge pump sucking nothing but air. Ten minutes, riding six inches lower. Half hour, one foot down. Three quarters of an hour, 18 inches lower. Water would be climbing up to drown out the batteries. Exhaust pipes, white hot. I yanked the release on the CO2 system. White clouds sizzled up from below. Fire! Fire, we're sinking! Bilge's full of water! Coming fast, we're going down! What do we do, Captain? Get the skiff over the side before she explodes! Fire extinguisher, Lou! Cover me, I'm going below! Get the skiff over! Don't stand there, Doc! Down there, Jeff. Rats left us. I'll be right up. Whew. We nearly overdid it. Wood was smoldering. You're telling me. Battery's wet? Inch to go. Oof. Boy, that manifold was hot. Nearly didn't make it. Look at our friends beat water. Yeah, this proves the story about rats and sinking ships. Yeah, come on, Lou. Up on the bridge. Watch their faces now. Hey, uh, did you drop the bilge pump back in the well? No, we need that water in the bilges. Boy, we throw awake like a little Queen Mary. Turning up 2,800. Yeah, still a little hot. I want 3,000. Behind us. We're throwing a weight like a destroyer. Come on, baby. A big, big bird. 3,000. Turn. Come on around. That's a nice tight circle. Rock. What are you going to do? Crash him? Nah. Gonna lasso him with our weight. Now we let Chop hit their skiff from four sides. You think they're in a southeaster? Look at Dowd. Trying to get a feed on us. He's. Hey, there they go. Capsize. That's just what I wanted. Yeah, but they're hanging on to the keel of the boat. All right, let them dig wood for about half an hour. Brother, that water's cold. <laughs> you should know. Hey, let's see if Dow's still got a gun. I can't tell. Looks like he... He has. But he won't have for very long. His hands will get so numb, he think they're sawed off. Hey, set the bills, pump, Lou. We light the ship while we wait. Oh, and on your way back, you break out that bottle of Johnny Walker, huh? Might as well enjoy ourselves now that we got them guys where we want them. I wonder about prices, Lou. Mackerel? Forty-two bucks. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant bounty. Reward. State of California owes us quite a little dough. Mileage, two ton of spoiled mackerel, one radio transmitter, and four escaped convicts. Two of them on ice. Well, get the boat hook, Lou. Two live ones are ready for the gaff.
Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Today we have brought you Seven Hours to Freedom by Bud A. Nelson, with Jack Moyle starred as Jeff. Featured in the cast were Stan Waxman, Jack Crucian, Barney Phillips, and Lou Krugman. The special music for Escape was arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. Some closing thoughts on Escape. Many well-known actors performed on the shows, people like William Conrad, Frank Lovejoy, and Jack Webb, to name just a few. Up next, Dick Powell entertains with his very good singing pipes as he has the lead role in Richard Diamond, Private Detective, Part 2 of Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Thanks for sticking around. This next feature, I'd say, is zany to say the least. First of all, you've got Dick Powell, a very fine actor, as Richard Diamond, private detective, who in this episode does more singing than talking. I think you'll get a kick out of this. Let's settle back as I take you back to 1949 and the episode entitled A Neighbor Tries to Ruin Diamond's Voice. as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Why aren't you at the office? Now, don't confuse me, dear. One question at a time. Come on in the study and I'll tell you all about it. Oh, now stop being so mysterious. You never come over here at this time of the day. Read some of these. What are they? Letters. Read them. All of them? Well, there must be at least a half a hundred. Well, close. Fifty-three. And those are only about one-tenth of the pile that's in my office. Oh, Rick! Are these... Yeah. The lovely, dear, sweet tenants in that gorgeous building right next to this one. They like your singing. Uh, read a couple. Me, me, me. Ho, ho, ho. De, 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 de. Dear Mr. Diamond. La, 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 la. Rick. Go on, go on, go on. Well, stop sounding like a whole quartet. All right. Dear Mr. Diamond... I live in the building across the way from Miss Asher's apartment. Right over there. At least once a week, I sit in my living room and listen to the sounds of your melodious voice. Oh. <laughs> Last week, however, I waited for seven straight days, but without result. You did not sing. Me, 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 me. Please, <laughs> Mr. Diamond, for the sake of my family, continue to sing at least once a week. Hmm. I am beginning to nag my husband, and yesterday I took the rubber bone away from my French poodle. Everybody shall be exalted. <laughs> you see, it's getting to be a real problem with me, and if you want to save me the $25 a day, I would have to pay my psychiatrist sing. La ho! Yours expectantly, Mrs. Louise Cartwright. Rick, are they all like this? Well, certainly not. Some of them are really desperate. Now, here's the one I saved out. Read this one if you really want to get a charge. Oh, me, 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 me. 
My dearest Mr. Donald. <laughs> go, on, well, go on, go on, go on, go on. I have been listening to your beautiful singing. What? What do you mean, what? Oh, uh, what you just read. I've been listening. No, 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 the last part. Your beautiful singing? Yes, I'm in a chatted evening. Oh, you sure. Go on, finish it now, finish it. Well, she's been listening to your beautiful singing. Oh, yes. Um, and many times I've seen you going into Miss Asher's apartment, and I think you are as beautiful as your voice. Oh. What? Now, you said that. Turn off the steam and read the last part. I wouldn't miss it. Last week, I waited and waited, but you didn't sing. Everybody shall be exalted. <laughs> I know you were in Miss Asher's apartment, and you certainly had the chance. If Miss Asher is the one that, wo that won't let you sing, come over to my apartment. I have a piano, and I just love it. 977 Park, apartment 303. Hmm. Signed, your most ardent fan. Ellen. Uh, Mademoiselle from Armitage. Rick, what are you doing? Open your window. Don't you think it's a little stuffy in here? The air conditioning's on. Rick, now stay away from that piano. Oh, I knew it, I knew it. Ellen's right. You really don't want me to sing. At 11 o'clock in the morning? No. I want you to sing tonight when it's more romantic. Oh, shame on you. Me? Yes, you. You want to deprive those poor, discouraged people of a little honest, simple pleasure? You want that woman to take her dog's bone away again? <laughs> you idiot. Oh, no telling what'll happen. Those people might not leave their apartments for days. It'll get to be like a prison camp. Think of it. No food. They won't leave the building even to go out and get an orange or a lime or something. And you know what? What? Scurvy. Oh. <laughs> They'll be dying like flies. Well, go on. What's the matter? Dying like flies. <laughs> I wonder who thought up that bright little simile. I've got a big green fly in my office. It's so tough he carries a man swatter. Oh! <laughs> well, you think it's funny, do you? <laughs> think what'll happen if those poor people stay in that building, withering up with scurvy, you fiend. I... I know it. Yes. It's just that... Well, I don't want to share your tonsils with anyone. I'm selfish. Me, me, me. You're more than that. You're antisocial. All right. All right. You mean? Yes. Sing. Stop, fellow. A hundred and one pounds of fun. That's my little honey bun. Rick. Yes? Did you hear something? Oh, I think so. Try it again. <coughs> All right. A hundred and one Rick. Mm, yes. I heard it. That's a grouch. Rick. Yes. There's an enemy in the camp. Well, what do we do? We can't just let those people die over there. Sink him. You mean? Yes. Sing. It's your duty. You're right. It's no longer a matter of personal pride. I must defeat the grouch at all costs. For those thousand starving tenants. Thousand? Big rooms. <clears throat> Stand back. Good luck. Thank you. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. He's weakening. You are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. Sunshine. He's nearly down. You are my sunshine. 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 Rick. Vicky. Decidedly. Bull Run was never like this. All right. Now sit 
sing honey bun and save those poor people. A hundred and one pounds of fun. That's my little honey bun. Honey bun. Bun. Rick. Good grief. Bun. Rick, what happened? I don't know. I can talk all right, but the minute I go up, something happens. I hope you didn't hurt it. La, 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 la. Oh, Rick. Oh, now, isn't that ridiculous? I can't help laughing, but it isn't really funny. Come on, let's go get you some warm milk or something. Mm, me, me. Lord, I'm off, <laughs> oh. Now, stop that. Give it a rest. Oh, if that grouch only knew, I may never bother him again. Well, he's the only one that doesn't like it. Poor guy. Poor guy? Now, that's a silly thing to say. Well, honey, he doesn't like it. Let's face it. He'll probably get so desperate he'll have to move. Okay, let him. I wonder what he's doing right now. I'll bet he's planning something fiendish. You think he's going to start shooting burning arrows? I wouldn't put it past him. Now, let's take care of that throat. Well, sometimes silly things like that happen. I come on like a big baritone and lose my voice. Helen has to feed me hot lemon juice and honey for about three hours. And the grouch across the way in the next apartment starts thinking up the ten best ways to eliminate Diamond. Think I'm kidding? Well, let me tell you. I didn't know it then, but that fast course of You Are My Sunshine with my own lyrics started more trouble than a hopped-up mouse in a herd of elephants. While Helen fed me the tonsil cure, old Grouchhead was dreaming of a cure of his own. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I work in the daytime, try to sleep at night. He sings at night. I switch to the night shift. He sings in the daytime. Oh, I'll fix him. I'll fix that diamond. Phone book. Phone book. Detectives. Private detail. Ah, look at that. Richard Diamond, private detective. Full page ad. Wouldn't you know it? Now, look at that slogan. Whoever you are, whatever you do, if you're too dead to walk, we'll come to you. Must be other detectives in here. Oh, here's one. Pat Kosak. Uh, You are my sunshine, eh? Diamond, I'll fix you. I'll fix you good. Is this Pat Kosak? Yeah, for employment. Uh, haven't I heard of you before? I doubt it. Probably that Shamus in Frisco. He's always stealing my stuff. Uh, uh, well, my name is Ernest Lumpkin. Happy Halloween, Mr. Pumpkin. No, no, no. Lumpkin. Lum. Okay, okay. What can I do for you? Well, I've got a problem. It concerns another person in your line of work. You mean another Shamus? Yes. He uh, sings. You mean Diamond? Oh, is he a friend of yours? A competitor isn't a friend. Diamond gets more clients than anyone in the business, so he isn't even a competitor. He's a capitalist. <laughs> he can advertise. People go to him instead of me. I hate him. Oh, uh, Mr. Koslack, hey, you're not alone. The name's Kosak, Mr. Dumpkin. Uh, Lumpkin. Lumpkin Dumpkin. You want to hire me? But uh, you don't even know what I want you to do. Can you pay me 50 bucks a day? If you can do the job in one day. For 50 bucks, I'll steal a Chrysler building and bring it over to you on a motor scooter. What's your address? 977 Park Avenue. And hurry! <laughs> Feel now. Oh, scalded. I'll be eating Zymol trochies for a week. Oh, now it wasn't that hot. Wasn't it? Honey, that lime water was so hot, Alibaba could have boiled his 40 thieves in it. Your speaking voice is all right. Every. Oh, well, I think I've swallowed a bear rug. Where are you going? 
Well, I can't sing, and I'm going to see you tonight anyway, so I, I think I'll drop down to the 5th Precinct and drive Sergeant Otis out of his mind. Oh, Rick, that poor man. He called up last week when Lieutenant Levinson was looking for you, and he sounded like he was dying, and you were responsible. Honey, when Otis dies, everybody will be running around in spaceships. He got through the Stone Age all right, didn't he? Bye. I left Helen and headed for the 5th Precinct Police Station. It was one of those good afternoons. The sun was leaning on three o'clock, and now and then a cool breeze would sail through my sinus and pump my lungs full of that easy, good-to-be-walking-around feeling. I had just about everything. Good job, good girl, and a 4 report from my insurance company. When I reached the station, I hopped up the steps and bounced into the squad room. Sergeant Otis was sitting, sitting over in the corner, making out the weekly report for the commissioner. Hello, Otis. Oh, what do you want, Shamus? Well, really nothing. I just came by to see if I could borrow one of your shoes. I'm going sailing. Oh, that's very funny. You know, someday, Gumshoe, you're going to run out of gags. Then what are you going to do? Well, I could set you on fire. That's sure to be a good uh, chuckle, hmm? Oh, yeah. Lieutenant in? Yeah. Otis, uh, you want to know how to catch a crook? Ah, white guy. Eat a lot of spaghetti. Oh, how can I catch a crook that way? Just open that big mouth and say, oh, yeah. You'll lasso him. Hello, Lieutenant Levinson. Lieutenant Levinson? Well, how do you do, Mr. Diamond? Now, what's with the formal routine? Oh, I can't help it. Every time I leave Otis, I feel like I've just stepped out of a gorilla cage. Oh, why don't you leave that poor guy alone, Rick? Oh, he's used to it. If I started treating him like a human being, he'd get so confused he'd probably cut off his tail. <laughs> Think what would happen, Walt, when he wanted to go to sleep at night. No more hanging upside down. Oh, brother. What's on your mind? Oh, I just thought I'd stop by and chew the fat. Well, go ahead. I already did. Chewed a whole pound right off Otis. Walt, are you sure he's a mammal? Now, you listen to me. Otis is a nice fella for a hammerhead. He can't help it, so stop tearing him down and tell me what you really want. Walt, I'm surprised at you. I just wanted to stop by and say hello. Hello. Where's the body? Now, look, there's no body, just a nice chat, that's all. Okay, but I warn you, I won't stand for any routines. If you're mixed up in something, I have to find out the hard way. So help me, I'll put you away so far, I'll have to pipe air into you. Walt, you do. Do what? Love me. Oh. Would you like to wear my Sig Alf pin? Pete's sake, what's the matter with you? You've been growing puppies in your office? Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, what is it, Otis? Miss Asher on the phone for Diamond. Okay. Phone for you, Rick. Alan. Oh, thanks. Fifth Precinct, remember our motto, a corpse in the morgue is worth two in your basement. Oh, no. It's true, Walt, it's true. Oh, that Walt just jumped out of the window. No, honey, there's a cast system around here. When Walt feels like jumping out of a window, he throws Otis out first to see if it hurts. Oh. Hi, you, baby. Hi. Rick, a Mr. Jones called and said it was very important that he see you at once, said it was a matter of life and death. Jones? First name John? Well, he didn't say. He just gave me an address and asked you to come over immediately. 137 River Street. He called me at your apartment? Uh-huh. Hey, I never saw that. How'd he get the numbers? Uh, no telling. Well, I'll go on over. Maybe he'll turn out to be a good client. Call you later, baby. How's your throat? Oh, la done, I'm open. Goodbye, Rick. Hey, you really sound terrible. Yeah, I'll see you later, Walt. Huh? Oh, uh, well, uh, thanks for the brilliant conversation, Sporty. Walt, just because I didn't have a corpse hidden out someplace, you get mad. All right, see if I care. Oh, now, wait a minute. No, no, I understand. Well, you can just get someone else to play jacks with. I'll send you Sam Spade. And now, Rick. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. 
Why haven't you got that report in here? Uh, I've been eating spaghetti. Spaghetti? Yeah, and that diamond's a liar. I can't lasso nothing. Maybe you have to be a cowboy. Thanks, Gabby. Keep the change. One thirty-seven River Street, the address Helen had given me over the phone, was an old deserted warehouse. Now, I want to stop right here and say I admit it was pretty stupid to wander into an empty warehouse like that. But I figured that this Jones guy must be in some kind of trouble to leave a message like that with Helen. The place was as empty as a fairground in the winter. I put my hand on my thirty-eight and kept moving toward the back of the building. Then I saw a door. A sign on it said, John Jones, enter. And wouldn't you know it? I did. Hey! What's going on? Where am I? Let me out of here! Come on, Mr. Lumpkin. Let's get out of here. Let me out of here! But I don't understand. He's liable to stay in there forever. I don't want him to stop singing like that. Somebody will come along. I promise you that. I just want him to stay in there for half an hour. That's all. And Now, wait a minute. I want to know just what this is all about. You want him to lose his voice, don't you? Oh, I love it. Well, when he went through that door, he started losing it. How? Well, what's behind that door? An ice box. Come on, Mr. Grumpkin. Well, that's exactly where I was, in an ice box. Not a very big one, but a very cold one. The kind a company might have to store fresh meat and drinks. I tried breaking down the door, but it was a foot thick. I struck a match and looked around. Lots of ice, no way out. So I turned up my collar and sat on the wave. I don't know how long I sat there, but I guessed it to be about 20 minutes. I could tell because my feet had frozen up about 20 minutes worth. Then I heard that lovely sound. Rick. Rick, you in there? Yeah, yeah. Hand me an ice pick. I want to get my, my feet uncrossed. How on the devil did this happen? Well, I think one of the frozen food companies got a new idea. What's the matter, Diamond? Forget oh. your sleigh. Shut up, Otis. You think you can walk, Rick? Yeah, sure, but I, I might squeak a little. Ooh. Got a Bunsen burner handy? <laughs> oh, that's... Okay. How did you find me? We got a call. From a guy named Jones? Yeah. Said he was in danger and that you were coming down to meet him at the warehouse. Said he saw two guys lock you in this icebox. Oh, dandy. Did he say where he was? Yeah. Here's the address. Thanks. Hey, where do you think you're going? Well, I feel better now. I'm going over to find Jones. Well, you might get in trouble. Well, if I can find the two guys who locked me up, you can bet on it. Well, I'm going to send Otis along with you. Otis? I thought you wanted me to keep out of trouble. Oh, now, wait a minute. I can keep you out of trouble, Diamond. Oh, Otis, you couldn't find an elephant in an elevator. Uh, but come on and bring your head with you. This is the address where that Jones guy said he'd meet you. Ah, I am Mandelbaum, Swedish massage. Hmm, this guy really picks up some great places to hide out. Come on, Otis. Speak first, or the rest of you will never get out of the car. Oh. Hey, hey, Diamond. You think while you're talking with this guy Jones, I might get me a rub down? Otis, to rub that stomach of yours, it would take a gallon of baby oil and an octopus to get anywhere. Hey, it smells kind of good, don't it? Like a pine tree, maybe. Otis, how would you remember? The last time you smelled a pine tree was when you used to run with a pack. 
Now listen here, Diamond. You gotta lay off. I don't go around. Yeah, what can I do for you? Holy cow. Get the biceps. Oh, I'm looking for a guy named Jones. Yeah? Who wants him? The name's Diamond. Oh. Well, Mr. Jones is expecting you. I think he's back in the steam. Which way is it? Uh, straight back. I'd show you when I gotta give a guy a rub. Come on, Otis. You must be at the end of the hall. That's a pretty bright observation. Seeing as how there's only one door and it's at the end of the hall. Yeah, yeah, that's the steam room. How do you know? By this little window in the door. What do you see? Steam. And by golly, it must be the steam room. Hey, I can't see nothing. Uh, Mr. Jones? Hey, ain't that some guy lying over there on the bench? It looks like it. Mr. Jones? Hmm. He don't answer. No. Oh, just look, I'm going over there. Keep the door open. I don't want anyone to lock me in this place. Oh, okay. Mr. Jones, I... Well, hey, Otis. It's just a bunch of towels rolled up to look like somebody. Yeah? Uh, hey! Hey! Otis, what's the matter? Uh, diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you? Right over here. Well, what are you doing there? I told you to stay by the door and keep it open. Well, I did stay by the door until I got pushed. Pushed? Oh, no. You know something? What? I think we're locked in. Oh, 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 oh. oh, shut up, Otis. Ah, oh, but I don't feel so good. What are we going to do? Oh, why don't you be happy? It's the only chance you'll ever get to sort off some of that blubber. Yeah, you want I should look like one of the atrocity pictures? Otis, you could lose 300 pounds and still weigh in with King Kong. Yeah, there's no time to get nasty. Well, relax. Read a magazine or something. What do you mean? Just what I said. Read a magazine. Isn't that one right over there? Yeah. Oh, for Pete's sake. How can I read this thing, Shamus? The pages is all stuck together. You couldn't read the first line of an eye chart anyway. Just look at the pictures and shut up. Okay. Hey! What's the matter? This magazine. Take a look at this. What is it? It's one of the movie magazines, uh, uh, Movie Stars Parade. So what? Well, get a load of these pictures. Ain't that you? Let me see. Well, how about that? Some guy acting like Richard Diamond, private detective. Well, it looks like you. Ah, uh, no, it's that Powell guy, that actor. Carry it up. Oh, no, no, it's a good magazine. Give me that. Oh, hey, what'd you do that for? If it hadn't been for that juvenile, I could have been in pictures myself. Now, try kicking in that little window again. Ah, uh, it's no use. That glass must be bulletproof. Oh, swell. First an icebox and now a steam bath. I'm going to start thinking I'm in California. Well, don't just sit there sweating. Do something. My uniform's shrinking. Well, maybe now it'll match your head. I just can't figure this. If someone wants to, well, someone wants to get rid of me, why did they do it the old-fashioned way? Oh, don't say that. How long do you think we've been in here? I don't know. Hey, Diamond. Yeah? My socks just disappeared. Well, go kick on the door again. It's your turn. I don't think I can make it. We've been in here for days. Hey, Look at your watch. It's all steamed up. I can't tell. You think there'll be anything left? Just your shoes, Otis. It'll take a blast furnace to get rid of those. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's the matter? I thought I heard somebody outside. Yeah? Uh, help! Help! Shut up. Hey! Hey, what's going on in here? Who closed the bowl on the door? 
We're saved? Uh, would you mind helping us out, old man? We seem to be a little limp. Hey, where's Mr. Jones? Hey, what are you doing in here with your clothes on? Trying to get them steam clean. Yeah. Oh, fresh air. Now, would you two guys mind telling me what this is all about? Maybe you better tell us, Buster. I don't know what you mean. Who locked the door on us? How do I know? I give a guy a rub. When I come back, I find the door bolted. Hey, where's Mr. Jones? You sure he was in the steam room? Sure. He comes in and says he wants a steam. You should show up. I should send you back. I told him I was going to give a rub to stay in long as he liked. Did he ask you how long the rub would be? Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, he did. I said it'd be about half hour. I don't get it. I don't get it. He wanted me in that steam room for just a half an hour. He wanted me in that icebox for about the same time. What's with this? Diamond, look at this uniform. Oh, I think it's lovely, Otis. You should always wear knickers. Rick, this is stupid. Didn't the guy at the steam room tell you what this Jones guy looked like? Well, from the description, could have been anyone. Look, I'm just as mixed up as you are. Well, we'll keep after it. Just don't worry, that's all. Hey, Diamond. Miss Asher just called and I told her what's been happening. You mean you know? No, but I told her anyway. She said you should come right over because she had dinner for you. And she wanted to take care of you. <laughs> Isn't he lovely, Walt? Think what that head is going to look like in a bottle. Oh. Now you got him sore. It's going to be horrible around here. Well, isn't it always? Now I'm going on over to Helen's. Keep after that Jones guy and let me know if you run across anything. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Klumpkin? Lumpkin. Okay, how are you? Uh, come in, come in. Well, um, you think it did the trick? Look, when Pat... Uh... Uh, Kosak. Yeah, Kosak. Well, when I do anything, the results are guaranteed. I just tailed Diamond from the station. He went into his girlfriend's apartment across the way. Oh, goody. <laughs> Let's see what happens tonight. I'm staying home from work just to hear him not sing. Yeah. About my 50 bucks. Oh, look, he's never in that apartment more than 10 minutes before he starts singing. If he goes over 15, you get your 50. Come on. What are we going to do? Raise the window. I don't want to miss the lovely silence when he opens that big bazoo. <laughs> okay, funny. I'm sorry, Rick, but your clothes have shrunk so much. You should see Otis. I'm sorry. Well, you should be. Don't know what I've been through. Oh, yes, I do, and Mommy's going to make it better. Here's a nice drink. I don't want a nice drink. Oh, it's strong enough. We'll put it in a dirty glass. You just drink it. Okay. Ah, oh, wow, my throat. Ha! You hear something? No, why? Nothing. Your throat's still pretty bad. Don't know. Me, 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 me. Oh, hey, it's pretty good. That sounds great. Oh, no! Now, I heard something then. Yeah, so did I. It's a grouch again. Give it to him. Oh, you bet. I feel mean. A hundred and one pounds of fun. That's my little honey bun. Get a load of honey bun tonight. I'm speaking of my sweetie pie. Only 60 inches high. Every inch is packed with dynamite. Her hair is blonde and curly. Her curls are hurly-burly. Her lips are pips. I call her hips. Twirly and whirly. She's my baby. I'm her pap. 
I'm her booby, she's my trap. I am caught and I don't want to run cause I'm having so much fun with honey fun. <laughs> that ice box and that steam bath were the best things in the world for my throat. Yes. After you lost your voice this morning, I didn't think anything was going to help. But that ice box and that steam bath really did. Diamond! Oh, hello, Mr. Lumpkin. Did I hear you say you lost your voice this morning? That's right, Mr. Lumpkin. They didn't think I was going to get it back either. Good night, Mr. Diamond! You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Jack Crucian, and Stephen Dunn. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written and directed by Blake Edwards. Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell, was previously released over the National Broadcasting Company for listeners in the United States and has been re-released to you men and women overseas by the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Tomorrow night, it's My Friend Irma, followed by Sherlock Holmes. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.